Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Welcome to the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I appreciate you making some time to join us today. I'll say what I do every week and just remind you, a special note from my compliance department, that what you're about to hear today should not be considered individual investment advice, but instead just my view and our firm's view on what's happening in the markets and the economy. If you'd like to talk about your personal portfolio, give us a call. We'd love to have that chat. So let's go ahead and dig into it. It is, uh, you know, it's road trip season in America. Moms and dads across the country are packing up the family truckster with idyllic plans of making new family memories. I happen to be one of them. We were headed out this week. I had a client a couple years out, several years ago now, told me about the effort he undertook with his wife to get their kids to all 50 states before they graduated from high school. And my wife and I, we thought that was a great idea, so we've been stealing it. I steal all my best ideas, by the way, (laughs) most of them from my clients. But we've been doing this effort for the last several years. And inevitably, the question comes in these road trips, and it comes for oftentimes the 10th or 20th or 30th time. And that question is, are we there yet? And of course, the answer is no, otherwise we wouldn't still be in the car. But there's a strategy for how to answer that question, right? How old is the kid that's asking? Do they understand the concept of time and distance? How far do you have left to go? Sometimes you tell a kid, oh, we'll be there in just a little bit when you know it's going to be longer, but you're just trying to get them off your back. And other times you stretch it to avoid the disappointment because you might get a meltdown if you don't get there as quick as they expect. It is a very delicate parental dance. And I know that every single one of you who has kids has done this dance before. But it's also a dance, here we go, that Jerome Powell's been doing on interest rates for the better part of 15 months. And he had his tap shoes on last Wednesday as he broke down the Fed's latest interest rate decision. And so we're going to talk about that today. Now, first of all, we didn't get a lot of surprise. You've heard it from me before. Powell is a one-man wrecking crew when it comes to the market performance on Fed Day. He steps to the podium. Everything stinks. There was somebody this week that did a great job of plotting out the market performance on Fed Day before he steps to the podium. And the market performance is historically pretty good. And then from that moment until the end of the day, and what it shows is this massive divergence in in portfolio performance. You know, the market sucks after Jerome Powell steps to the podium. He went out and did it again. His podium skills have not improved much, and there was a little bit of drag on the market on Wednesday. But when it came to the meeting itself, there really was no surprise to be had. We saw before the meeting, we talked about it in the memo and the podcast last week, there were basically 99% odds that the Fed was going to raise rates by 25 basis points in the meeting. Everyone knew it was coming. The Fed delivered. The question coming out of the meeting, though, instead is not whether or not he's going to raise rates. The question is what's next. And there were a few notable statements that I think were important to understand. The first is that they were surprised by the CPI data in June. That's right. They admitted it. They were surprised. They were not expecting CPI to drop as much as it did. Frankly, it sounds like it put them on their heels a little bit about what to do about the future, but it was not enough to change the path for this meeting. Now, though, we have two months. We have two months until the next Fed meeting happens at the end of September, which means we're going to get two more CPI reads between now and then. But here's the thing. The likelihood of any more big surprises like that are very, very slim. 
because the data set that everyone uses, the CPI data set or the PCE data set, whatever, it's a year over year number. And so last month we were measuring June 2023 versus June 2022. Why is that important? Well, because in June of 2022, that was the peak of inflation, inflation at 9%. So now we're measuring going forward, we're measuring against lower numbers or a falling number. That means there is actually the potential that we're actually going to see year-over-year inflation rise a little bit in the coming months. I include a chart in the memo this week. It's linked in the show notes. I'd encourage you to go look at it. But what it shows is that really anything above 0.1% month-over-month CPI for the next several months, we are going to see a little spike between now and the end of the year in inflation. Now, it's not going to be a particularly bad spike unless the numbers get really out of whack, which we don't expect. It does mean that the market needs to prepare itself for a few more rate hikes, potentially at least one more rate hike potentially between now and the end of this year. On the flip side of that, Powell and company are very optimistic about the economy. He was explicit in his comments. I'm going to quote him from the press conference here because it's important to hear it from his voice. He said, quote, so the staff now has a noticeable slowdown in growth starting later this year in the forecast. But given the resilience of the economy recently, they are no longer forecasting a recession, end quote. That is a substantial change. And it lines up pretty nicely with what we talked about in this podcast last week about economists starting to lower their expectations of a recession. The Fed has been predicting a recession since last November. So I do think that this change may give Powell a bit more rope as the economy is ticking along pretty well, potentially a bit more rope to raise rates a little bit. Now, that's a great sentiment, but we have to be careful about just hoping for the best with this. If the Fed takes too much advantage of this moment, if they push too hard on rates, the likelihood of a recession comes back in the driver's seat very, very quickly. The third notable item was QT. Now, you may remember what QT stands for. It stands for quantitative tightening. It is the opposite of quantitative easing, QE, that everybody was so worried about when the Fed was pushing a bunch of money into the economy. The Fed's been talking about QT for a while. The the idea is simple. They have this very big balance sheet of assets they bought to push money into the economy during the pandemic. Now to shrink their balance sheet, they're going to allow those assets to burn off. Meaning if they mature, if they own a bond and it matures, they're not going to redeploy that cash into the economy. Now, they've been going through that QT process for more than a year now in line with the process of raising interest rates, or so we thought. It actually became clear in Powell's press conference that they stopped doing QT in February due to concerns about the bank failures that we were seeing at the time. So that's SVB and those guys. Now, that makes sense, but the problem is now they have to turn it back on. So the market, remember, markets are all about expectations. The market was expecting that this had been happening, and it wasn't. And so now the market has to reset their expectations. So brings us back to the original question from the backseat. Are we there yet? And... Unlike the dad in the family truckster, I don't have a map. I know we're getting close. There is a very strong consensus in the marketplace today that Wednesday's hike was the last rate hike in the cycle and that we're going to stay at this level, five and a quarter to five and a half percent, until the Fed starts dropping rates in the middle of next year. Now, there's another camp, roughly 33% odds, according to CME Group, that we're going to get one more hike likely in November of this year before we're done. So that would at least mean a pause in September, but potentially one more hike in November. What we know is this. Historically, the market has performed really well at the end of a rate hike cycle. The average return for the 12-month period from 
the day of the last rate hike until 12 months later, the average return in the market is 16%. As a matter of fact, there's one big outlier to that, and that was the year 2000 when we had the exact opposite. The market was down over the next 12 months, probably 12 or 15%. But you have to remember what happened there. We had the tech bubble burst. We had 9-11. It was a real messy time. So my hope is that maybe that clock, that 12-month clock started on Wednesday. Maybe Wednesday was our last hike. But given the last 15 months, that's a pretty tough call to make. So we're going to have to watch. We're going to have to see. So we'll leave it there for right now. As always, if you have any questions, give us a call here at the office, 515-273-1333. Or you can visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have an amazing week, and I look forward to touching base with you again next week. Take care. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm. 